Welcome to the 20th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of our podcast, we focus on college basketball, including our usual look back at last week's most significant games and a discussion of the outlook for the NCAA tournament bubble. Let's jump right in with a look back at some of last week's most significant games in college basketball, starting with Friday's action. Dayton beat St. Louis 76-53. Very important result for Dayton. It uh, bumped St. Louis down to the first four out from the last four buys and improved their own situation on the bubble slightly, although they're still not, they were were still not on that bubble. Boise State beat Utah 81-77. Boise State moved up out of the last four buys and and Utah State stayed in the next four out after this loss as Boise State most likely wrapped up the regular season conference title. All right, let's move to a full slate of action on Saturday, starting with Michigan State beating Indiana 78-71. Michigan State really needed this win to improve their chances for the tournament, and if they had lost, they probably would have sealed their fate. Uh, they were slightly still outside of my bubble, though, as of that time, and Indiana moved from safely in the field into the last four buys category. Another team trending in the right direction, Kentucky upset number 19, Tennessee 70-55. Kentucky finally gets a very big win this year, although this may be all too little too late. If they can get into a rhythm before the SEC tournament, however, they may be able to salvage their season, and really no team in the SEC is beatable right now, so they could make a run. And number 10, Villanova beat UConn 68-60. UConn fell to the last four in after this loss. They are barely staying alive on the bubble and cannot afford any more losses. In a matchup of ranked opponents in the Big 12, number 23, Kansas, Beat number 15, Texas Tech, 67-61. This was, at the very least, a very, very important for seeding in the Big 12 tournament as any Kansas win moves them closer to avoiding Baylor until the championship game of that tournament, and it also was important for NCAA seeding, too. In SEC action, number 20, Missouri, beat South Carolina, 93-78. Oh, hey, look, Missouri won a game. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. George Mason upset VCU, 79-76 in overtime. This loss by VCU really lowers their chances to win the A-10, although they are still able to win the conference and still definitely in contention. Uh, another ranked matchup uh, in the Big 12, number 13, West Virginia, beat number 12, Texas, 84-82. You still have me laughing from your Missouri comment. Uh, West Virginia's win in this game is huge for their seeding as they add another quality win to their impressive tournament resume. They're really challenging for a two-seed right now, and they were not supposed to do that. Number five, Illinois crushed Minnesota 94-63. Iodin Sumu gets another triple-double in this game, his second of the year, improving his case for player of the year. North Carolina hammered Louisville, who I said had a chance to win that conference. 99-54 shows you how much I know. Yeah, North Carolina kept moving off the bubble with this win, and Louisville really, really struggled off a COVID pause. And uh, that was actually their second loss, where they scored less than 50 points off of a COVID pause, I think, or less than 60. And in other action involving a team that I picked to win their conference, Arizona upset number 17, USC, 81-72. Arizona is ineligible for the tournament. Otherwise, this would have been maybe a, maybe a win-to-get-in kind of a deal. But USC might lose out on their chance to win the Pac-12 regular season championship by this time. DePaul upset St. John's, 88-83. Yeah, St. John's had a late had a mid-season surge onto the bubble from a, a big win over Villanova, but they moved down from the first four out to off the bubble entirely with this loss. And in ACC action, Duke upset number seven, Virginia, 66-65. Yeah, Duke moved up from way off the bubble, a team that I would say was probably the 12th or 13th team out of the tournament, and moved to the bottom of the next four out after this win over Virginia. And just a note that Patrick's uh, comments about the bubble reflect his bracket predictions as of the end of last Saturday's games, 
as he does update his bracket predictions on our website every Saturday. Let's move to Sunday's significant action with number three, Michigan, beating number four, Ohio State, 92-87. to We talked about this game in depth in our podcast last week, but I can firmly say that Michigan reinforced the wall around the third overall seed and their one seed with this win, while Ohio State slipped down a bit, but this still, re- but still remains as the fourth one seed in my mind. And finally on Sunday, other Big Ten action, Maryland beat Rutgers 68-59. Maryland moved up from the last four in into the last four buys with this quality road win over Rutgers. They have been a team that had a really front-loaded schedule and were almost, I think they were below 500 and now have won three or four games in a row and might actually be surging up there into the 10-9 seed-ish range. Let's move to Monday's action. Duke, another win, beating Syracuse, 85-71. Duke moved up again, this time from the next four out to the first four out. While Syracuse dropped off the bubble entirely, they were in the next four out, but that was a huge win. One of those teams was going to put a big dent in their gap between them and the tournament, and one of them was probably going to fall off the bubble. That's exactly what happened. Oklahoma State beat number 18 Texas Tech 74-69 in overtime. This is a really important win because this most likely set up, I think Fran Fraschilla was talking about it all broadcast long, the, the six and the seven seeds in the Big 12 tournament, and the seven seed has to play an extra game in that tournament against the 11. Look, you're probably not going to lose to Iowa State. They only have two wins on the season, but hey, they almost beat Baylor. We'll get to that eventually. But you would like to avoid playing that extra game fatigue-wise. Yep, number 19, USC beat Oregon, 72-58. This is a very important win for USC to stabilize after their loss to Arizona. All right, let's move to Tuesday's action, where VCU beat St. Louis, 67-65. VCU wins a very hard-fought game to stay in control of the conference while St. Louis fell from the first four out to the next four out. Georgia Tech upset number 16, Virginia Tech, 69-53. Georgia Tech moved back onto the bubble as a next four out team with this huge upset over Virginia Tech, kind of a similar... Uh, situation to Duke, an ACC team that was a pretty far off the bubble, a few teams, but gets a huge win over a over a way over a very top team, a, a top five seed in Virginia Tech, so that moves them up a lot. And a big upset in Big Ten play, Michigan State upset number five Illinois, eighty one seventy two. Michigan State moved up now to the ninth team out of the tournament, just outside of the next four out. Number two, Baylor, as you mentioned, barely beat Iowa State in their return from pause, 77-72. Yeah, Baylor looked very off after their COVID pause, and that was to be expected, but I did not think Iowa State would be in the lead during this game for as long as they were. I think they actually led a majority of minutes, if not over 25-30-ish. And keeping with the pattern of the Big 12, which seems like every other, every third game goes to overtime, number 14, Texas beat number 17, Kansas 75-72 75-72 in overtime. Another big matchup in the Big 12 is these top teams jockey for seeding towards the end of the season, not just in the Big Te- in the Big 12 tournament, but also in the NCAA tournament. Kansas is really playing a lot better as of late after a big losing streak, but Texas ends up with the win, rebounding from their loss to West Virginia, where they blew a 19-point lead. And uh, sort of akin to your comment about don't take Iowa State too lightly, uh, also in Big 12 play, Kansas State upset number seven, Oklahoma, 62-57. Yeah, this is a really odd upset, really a head-scratcher. <laughs> Oklahoma had been playing very well recently, so seeing them lose to such a bad team was really, really surprising. Also, in the, not, it wasn't even in the nature of one team catches fire and scores 100 points while shooting 70% from three. They lost because they, didn't, they couldn't score 62. 
It's very, very odd loss for a top 10 team. Our final action of Tuesday night's another upset. Uh, Ole Miss upsets number 24, your favorite team, Missouri, 60-53. Yeah, that's why I was uh, happy, let's say, after they after I uh, congratulated them for winning a game because for some reason they can't figure out how to do it. They, they lost another game. Um, Ole Miss was actually in the next four out as of, one, as, of, uh, as of Tuesday, edging out Michigan State for the final spot, while Missouri slips farther away from a top four seed that they were given at the time of the bracket reveal. Again, those bracket the bracket reveals for Sunday through Tuesday's game reflect your predictions as of the end of Tuesday's games. Uh, let's move to Wednesday's action, starting with St. Bonaventure beating Davidson 56-53. St. Bonaventure is in the last four buys category currently, so anyone they can get would really keep cementing their tournament uh, hopes. Uh, Virginia upset again by North Carolina State, 68-61. Yeah, that's three losses in a row for the Cavaliers. Uh, NC State is stuck on the very, very outside looking in. They had a few opportunities. They could have beaten Syracuse. They could have beaten Duke. If they had won those two games, they'd probably be in the same position that Duke was in. They probably would have swapped places. But instead, their resume isn't really that strong. They have a losing record in the conference. But they do have an outside chance of making the tournament if they went out and make a decent run in the ACC tournament. On the other hand, Virginia continues that struggle, as I said. All right, Butler upset Seton Hall, 61-52. Seton Hall moves down a little bit, but stays in the last four in, in my eyes, although losses to teams with losing records surely does not help your chances to get into the NCAA tournament. All right, and the game that got slipped into Wednesday's schedule is sort of last minute. Marquette upset North Carolina, 83-70. Yeah, UNC scheduled this odd late out-of-conference game with Marquette. You never see the ACC playing the Big East, it feels like, and especially definitely not in late uh, February. And it does not help their resume now that they lost to a team with a losing record. Although, as Roy Williams said, you can't schedule games in hindsight. Rutgers beat Indiana 74-63. Huge win for Rutgers, pretty much guaranteeing a tournament bid in my eyes, while Indiana needs to win a game or two at the end of the regular season and in the Big Ten tournament to make the NCAA tournament. I still think they are in a decent position, though, because I do think they will be able to win at least maybe one of their last two or three games, and I think they will advance a round in the Big Ten tournament, which would probably give them two quad one wins. And in our last significant game for Wednesday, number 20, Arkansas upset number six, Alabama, 81-66. Arkansas is looking like a big threat to Alabama's chances of winning the SEC tournament, although, as we already said, Alabama pretty much locked up the regular season. Uh, but both these teams are very safe in the NCAA tournament field already, so not much there changing on the bubble. All right, finally, let's go to Thursday's slate of action, starting with number five, Illinois, rebounding from its loss to Michigan State to beat Nebraska 86-70. Yeah, this was an important game because this one could have slipped away from them. Nebraska played them tight last time they went into overtime, and this time they did not have Ayo Sumu, their presumptive could-be-player-of-the-year, definitely the best player on their team. Uh, that's really important because if they had lost this game, the season could start to slip away from them after such a promising, promising, not even start, really, whole two-thirds of a season. And he's out indefinitely after suffering an injury from a big cheap shot uh, at the hands of Michigan State's Sissoko. But we can talk about that maybe in a later podcast. Maybe we'll have a topic, uh, biggest cheap shots in college basketball, <laughs> if we run out of other topics. Let's move on. Number 12, Houston beat Western Kentucky 81-57. Yeah, this was another odd out-of-conference game that teams just decided to schedule this week. Though this one, unlike North Carolina, was not scheduled because of a Twitter post. Uh I guess this is Western Kentucky trying to get a quad one win to ensure that maybe they could get in 
uh, without the auto bid because their conference in the Conference USA is very, very contested. Western Kentucky is a great team. They have a actually a Wooden Award top 25 player in Charles Bassey, but Houston captures the quality win, and that's actually probably a better win than they'd get over any conference opponent, so I can definitely see the benefit of them scheduling the game. And then the marquee matchup in the Big Ten Thursday night with Michigan's second top 10 opponent of the week. Number three, Michigan rolled over number nine, Iowa, 79-57. Michigan is looking like a very dominant team. Uh, I would say this wouldn't really shift the bracket at all. Maybe Iowa moving just below West Virginia for a two-seed spot there. But I think the most important thing long-term is that Iowa lost their backup center, Jack Nungie, to a season-ending knee injury in a non, really a non-contact play, just kind of pulled up in the middle of a play. Uh, in the middle of this game, and that is going to be a huge blow because he's the one that spells Garza some of his minutes, keeps Garza fresh, and actually even sometimes plays with Garza, and having two seven-footers or near seven-footers on the court at the same time is really hard to deal with. Eastern Kentucky upset Belmont 81-67. Belmont was 24-1 going into this game, and this victory by third place in the conference Eastern Kentucky proves that Belmont can be beaten and I would like to see what the tournament does if Belmont ends up with 25-plus wins and only three losses on the entire year with one of them in a conference championship game, what they would do with them. I bet they probably would leave them out, but many people would probably be very upset. All right, number 22, San Diego State beat Boise State 78-66 in overtime. If San Diego State can capture both games of this back-to-back against Boise State, they will have a large, large lead in the Mountain West standings with only one game remaining. And, well, I mean, if you only have one game and you have a large lead, I would assume that that would win you the conference. And Boise State will most likely move down to the last four buys or last four in status, depending on some other games. You don't often see a team lose by 12 in overtime, did you? Yeah, that was, that was strange. I think, I think we were watching other games, but <laughs> I kind of I saw it did going Boise to overtime. Did Boise State score in overtime? I don't know. I think it was 14-2, to two, probably <laughs> something like that. I think it was 63-63 going into the overtime. So Pretty big lopsided overtime, Mark. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Michigan State upset number four, Ohio State, 71-67. Yeah, Michigan State fans really think that they're in the tournament, but not so fast on that one. Uh, you still have a losing record in the conference, and the non-conference games are not impressive going 4-0 including you you think going into the season that if you had gotten a win over Duke, you have a really good non-conference schedule. But look at Duke. Duke is still outside of the NCAA tournament, not a one seed like they were supposed to be preseason. So really four, uh, four really easy non-conference wins or four or six or whatever, and then seven and nine in conference, not good enough to make the NCAA tournament yet, but they have played themselves into the top spot of the next four out. And while Ohio State still keeps their one seed due to a stalemate between them and Illinois, as they both traded losses off with against MSU. Though, I will say, the bubble is crazy towards the end of the season, and Michigan State will probably make it due to, A, a lot of teams ahead of them losing, B, they're playing better, so I see I can see them winning a few more games, and C, the NCAA tournament might want some extra revenue after losing out on the tournament last year. Yeah, well, we, we spoke a few weeks ago about how it looked like Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, a few other Blue Bloods, would be out of the tournament, and now we... And now Michigan State and Duke have pulled off some upsets that they surely didn't look like they would do. Kentucky's winning some games, too. We'll get to our our bubble preview here in a later segment, but very interesting. There's a few of those names that we thought were out of it that are creeping back into the conversation. Let's keep moving. We've got three more games to cover from Thursday. Northwestern upset Minnesota, 67-59. This loss moved Minnesota from the last four in to the first four out, uh, and Northwestern, I don't think, had won a conference game in maybe two months? Since they started off three and one in conference, and then ended up what they're three and eleven now or before this game, so now four and eleven, something like that. 
it's kind of crazy. Good, I guess, good win for Northwestern. Maybe they can make make some strides going into next season if they play well in the Big Ten tournament. In the Pac-12, Oregon beat Stanford 71-68. Stanford would have moved up into the field if they had not lost this game, but instead they will remain in the first four out. All right, and also in the Pac-12, our last game of recapping for the last week of college basketball action, Colorado upset number 19, USC, 80-62. Yeah, USC will now have to beat UCLA to win the conference regular season title after this loss to Colorado. And for Colorado, this was a resume-solidifying win, and as long as they don't have any major slip-ups to maybe some bottom teams that they might play towards the end of the year, they should be safely in the tournament. Let's wrap up our look at the last week of college basketball with your Player of the Week. I gave my player of the week to Aaron Henry for Michigan State. I know Michigan fans might say, why not Hunter Dickinson? He locked down two of the best centers. But I, A, I've already given it to Dickinson, and I don't like to repeat the players when I don't have to. And B, Aaron Henry is the reason why this Michigan State team is has a winning record, is anywhere near alive in NCAA tournament chances, and is the reason that they've won these three games that they shouldn't have really won. He's... In those three games this week, he averaged 21.7 points, 5 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 2 blocks, 1.7 steals. I think he might be leading the team in every stat. (laughs) I didn't really check that, but the way he's playing, it feels like he is. He also, in those three games, played an average of 37.3 minutes, including all 40 minutes against Indiana and 39 against Illinois. He's been instrumental to this team in their win streak, and really all year long, He scored in double figures in 20 of the 22 games this season, and the ones where he didn't were the season opener uh, against Eastern Michigan, where he only scored six points, but who cares? It's Eastern Michigan. doesn't really matter, the individual stats. And also their game after a COVID pause where the team scored only 37 in total, and he scored seven of them, so he still scored 20% of the team's points. But really, I just thought he deserved it because... He is the only reason why this team is still anywhere near alive, and he really is the one carrying this team. So, Patrick, we just got done mentioning some bubble teams and the impact of last week's action on your bracket and bubble predictions um, at that time that, and that you released during the week. Wanted to take a deeper look at your current view of the NCAA tournament bubble based on what you've seen so far this season. Let's start with who you have right now as your last four buys in the NCAA tournament. All of this is in order, by the way, before we start. Uh, Maryland, St. Bonaventure, Indiana, and Xavier. Uh, I think I had these same four teams heading into this week, too, from Tuesday, actually, but just shifting in order a little bit after some of these teams got a victory and some of these teams lost. All right, and your last four teams into the NCAA tournament right now are? Drake, UConn, Seton Hall, and Colorado State. Though I will say in the situation of Drake... If they're able to win the conference tournament, Loyola Chicago is much safer in the in the field. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously the conference tournaments uh, impact a lot of these. Right. and right. Can, There can be some bid stealing, et cetera. Uh, your first four out, which might be important this year. I think the NCAA made an announcement about having alternates. So let's they, talk a little they about did that make too. a mention that they would uh, replace uh, any opt-outs or any teams that couldn't play in from multi-bid leagues with teams from their first four out. So this could be important. Minnesota, Stanford, Richmond, and Duke. And then finally, your next four out. Michigan State, Georgia Tech, Utah State, and Ole Miss. Any other teams that uh, you were, were you know poking around here for the next four out? Uh, I think SMU's been like the ninth or 10th team, if you were to extend this, out of the tournament for probably the last five weeks or so, or maybe even the last 12 updates, something like that. 
I've had them in the bubble on and off, and you could you've seen them on my next four out. But the difference is, since they play in a weaker conference, they don't get the big wins. So Michigan State will get a huge win and jump them. But then if they lose, then now they move below them. So that's kind of the fluctuating system of that. St. John's was on after a few of their wins, but now some of their losses have moved them off. Syracuse, same situation as St. John's, so they're in the ACC. So they could get a few big wins in that ACC tournament. And Memphis and St. Louis, Memphis being in the American, just the same as SMU, kind of same scenario. Really good record, decent net, but still just outside of it. And St. Louis in the A-10 really has an opportunity. They were actually the preseason second place team, according to the media. Uh, So they could make a run in that tournament. If you look at who's on this bubble, there are two other teams from the A-10. So if they were to beat those teams, they could even leapfrog them. They could also beat VCU in the tournament. If they were to beat all three of those, which I I think seeding-wise probably isn't possible... But if they were to do that, that would easily move them into the tournament. Well, speaking of St. Louis, there are some key games coming up this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that will impact the bubble. St. Louis plays in one of those games. Um, There's actually two of those games in the Atlantic 10 on Friday night. Uh, Richmond plays at St. Louis, and George Washington plays at St. Bonaventure. These games will be very, very important. I think St. Bonaventure is going to cruise to a victory. Uh, George Washington's not that great of a team, but... Richmond and St. Louis is a very great game, uh, and really, I could see either team winning, and I I think if St. Louis wins, they edge their way back onto the bubble, and if Richmond wins, they probably get up to the, the, last, the first team out of the tournament, but still not quite in. Another game mentioning, uh, another game involving one of your teams here in the last four, and you mentioned Drake. Discussed a little bit about them and Loyola Chicago interplay. They play at Bradley Friday night. Yeah, I think Drake and Loyola Chicago play their final two games of the season this weekend before the tournament kicks off for the Missouri Valley Conference uh, next week. So we'll see how that works out for them. I think both those teams, that I think the teams that they're playing are not exactly the strongest teams, so probably will be pretty easy wins for them. But if they aren't, that would be a pretty big deal. Let's move to Saturday's action, start with the ACC uh, two games involving two teams that you have on the cusp, not in, Louisville at Duke and Syracuse at Georgia Tech. If Duke wins this game, I think it's enough to move them into the tournament, not only because of the quality win that it would give them, but because it would make their resume overall a lot better. It would definitely give them another quad one win. And I think that also in terms of, well, maybe it wouldn't move them in currently. Maybe they would be one team out-ish. But I think if they were to beat Duke it would, or beat Louisville, it would be an indication that they're really going in the right direction and they would win more games for the rest of the season. On the side of Syracuse and Georgia Tech, whoever loses this game is, is going to have to win the ACC tournament to get into the tournament. Uh, whoever wins this game is on the bubble and really needs a lot of help if they can't win the ACC tournament. All right, well, in the Big East, there's two games uh, with bubble teams involved. Both those games involve teams that you presently have in the field number 13 Creighton well you have them in the field uh, at Xavier who you have in your last four buys and Marquette at UConn Creighton obviously way 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 up there in the tournament they're going to be they're 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 already in <laughs> they couldn't lose all, even even if they lost four games in a row they'd still be in Xavier on the other hand if they could get this win that would probably be a tournament guaranteeing one unless they lose really early in the Big East tournament and lose if they have another game left in the regular season if they lost that game too and a bunch of other teams got bigger wins. 
but I'm also assuming that, A, they're not going to lose two more games if they beat Creighton. So I think Xavier is actually in a pretty good position, even if they do lose this game. On the other hand, UConn really needs wins because they had a lot of games postponed. They still haven't played 20 games on the season. And I think their overall record is something like 11-5 or 11-6 at this point. So they do need every, every loss and every win really impacts them a lot. And Marquette actually is 11-12 on the season. But if you look at some of their wins, they beat North Carolina on the road and they beat Wisconsin. So <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, they're at 11-12. and 12, But I mentioned five teams that are right off the bubble. They're probably 10 teams farther down. But if they could beat a bunch of winning record teams and get at least two or three wins in the Big East tournament over some more quality teams, I think they have enough wins that they could end the season probably 16-13, and 13, and that might be enough to get to slide them in. Well, like the ACC and the Big East on Saturday, there's a couple matchups in the Big Ten uh, with bubble implications. First, Indiana hosts number three, Michigan, and then Minnesota's at Nebraska. Indiana doesn't move down if they lose to Michigan, in my opinion. I mean, maybe they do a little bit, if if. Uh, but I think also Xavier will most likely, I, I think Creighton will beat Xavier. So that should keep Indiana in their current spot no matter what. Unless Xavier may, got the win, then they would leapfrog them. Uh, for now, I think Indiana is pretty safe, but they can't lose out. They definitely can't do that. They would not make the tournament if they did that. On the other hand... Minnesota, if they lost to Nebraska, would have that would be the nail in the coffin on their season. That it's too bad of a loss to have on your resume, especially when you started out thirteen and seven and have fallen all the way to thirteen and eleven since. To close out the season with a loss against Northwestern and a loss against Nebraska, it would be very hard to justify Trending a team. In the wrong direction. Yeah, it, the tournament. You know, they do use the eye test to go along with the net and other metrics. And I test would not tell you that team is good if they lose three games at the end of the season to the bottom teams. But they're the only team with a win over Michigan on their resume so far. So That is true. They technically do have the best win in the country because obviously Baylor and Gonzaga are still undefeated. But on the other hand, that was early in the season and Michigan had an injury with Eli Brooks. So there are many factors that the tournament could say that's pretty much irrelevant come this time of the season. After, Especially after they lost, if they lost seven in a row, that would be... So for, for them. All right. Uh, also on Saturday, Colorado State hosts Air Force. Colorado State cannot lose. They obviously, in the Mountain West, there's not, not every day do you play good teams. Air Force is definitely not one of them. But at the same time, on, on the flip side of that, if you don't play good teams, you can't lose ever because that would be the end of your run. Speaking of can't lose to a bad team, Stanford in your first four out hosts Oregon State. Stanford definitely needs to win this game. I think if Stanford could salvage this win and maybe one out of the final two in the regular season and then rattle off two wins in the Pac-12 tournament over maybe like a Colorado or an Arizona in the second round, I think that would be enough to get them in. And finally on Saturday, Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. Ole Miss needs to win out. They are they are off the they are almost off the bubble as I said. And actually those five teams that I mentioned that are right below them probably have better games to play, better wins to to go out and get. So Ole Miss really needs to beat Vandy and probably get to maybe the semifinals, at least the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. And then let's move to Sunday's action. Uh, we've only got one game with bubble implications, but it's a big one. Both teams are listed uh, in your bubble watch. Maryland hosting surging Michigan State. If Maryland loses, 
I don't think they lose out on the tournament. I think they'd still be even maybe in the last four buys, depending on how games with Indiana Xavier, Bonaventure, Drake, UConn turn out. But I do think that Michigan State, with a win, would move up right below Minnesota, barring Minnesota losing earlier. I think that would put them right there for that spot, for that last spot, just two spots out. Well, we'll be talking about these games in our uh, weekly wrap-up of college basketball in our podcast a week from now. That wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, March 1st, where we will review the latest NBA action and take a look back at the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content on our website, 4thand24.com, including his NCAA tournament bracket predictions, which will be updated Saturday so you can see the impact of some of the games we just talked about. Again, that's our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number for T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.